Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. You may be seated and, and uh, if you have your Bibles and will join me in the book of Proverbs, we are going to the book of Proverbs chapter 4 and uh, verse 23. And if you will, just leave your Bibles open to that. I'm going to read a few other scriptures along and along, but uh, primarily we're going to be dealing with a few verses out of Proverbs 4 and pray that the Spirit of the Lord would just touch our heart today. And I'm just going to ask you, if you will, and and as sincerely as I know how, to connect to this pulpit today. Amen connect to this pulpit today and let's let the spirit of God speak something into our heart the book of Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23 the Bible says keep thy heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life it just takes mere seconds to read that passage of scripture move right along find another passage Move right along, find another passage. But the Bible says, keep thy heart with all diligence. And then gives the reason why, for out of it are the issues of life. Jesus Jesus himself seems to capture the essence of the message of Proverbs in the gospel of Luke 6 and 45. And so if you'll look at the screen and follow along, here's what Jesus said. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh. And so a good man has a good treasure. And from there, good things are going to flow out. Proverbs mentions the word issues. Issues. The issues of life. And so an evil man has an evil treasure. And from that, evil will flow out. And so when various... Individuals in our church through the years have been faced with difficult times or difficult situations. I have often found myself giving this advice, and so many of you today will probably recognize this. I have sincerely asked you at these junctures of life to do one thing, and that is guard your heart. Guard your heart, no matter what you do. And I know there have been times when I held people's hands and said those three words, guard your heart, you had no idea the magnitude 
of what I was really asking you to do. I know it's easy to nod our head and say, yes, sir, thank you. But you see, beyond that moment, it's going to take a lot of diligence because you're going to have to guard and stand guard, not just today, not just tomorrow, but on and, and on and on. And so in order to understand the magnitude, I think, of this statement, we have to consider what the Bible is talking about when, when the Scripture uses the word heart in this context. The passage, of course, is not talking about this human organ made up of muscle and tissue and vessels that is beating in all of our chest right now. But the Hebrew word for heart in this passage refers, or in this context, refers to many things. It refers to things like the inner man or the mind, the will, the soul, the conscience. Another thing it refers to is the seat of our appetites. So guard the inner man, guard your mind, guard your will, guard your soul, guard your conscience. Guard the seat of your appetites. Guard the seat of your emotions. Guard the seat of your passions. Guard the seat of your courage. And so there's a lot of responsibility when Solomon just penned these words, keep thy heart with all diligence, to keep it, to guard, to preserve, to take care, to be mindful. You can see from this list that the heart encompasses the entire core of what we are and who we are as an individual. Solomon states that we should keep this heart with all diligence, to guard diligently this heart. It was often used in the Old Testament meaning to guard diligently against the enemy. I feel confident this same conversation happens in most homes that are represented here tonight. We ask ourselves before we retire for the evening, did you check the doors? Did you make sure? And you know what? We can be already laying down. We can already be nestled in. We can already be in that sweet spot. But if there is any doubt, one or the other of us is coming out of that sweet spot. And we're just going to check one more time. Because the most valuable thing we have is in that home. And I'm not talking about uh, things that can be bought with money. The most valuable things are there. So we've got to guard that diligently. It's not, it's not, it's too valuable to just say it'll be okay or, or, or hope all is well. And so it means to regulate with careful discipline, to maintain with proper supplies. You've got to be diligent in this. It, it won't happen accidentally. And so we guard or protect things that we consider valuable or the things that we consider to us to be a treasure. The particular treasure that Solomon is concerned with here today, and this is going to be the topic of our conversation this morning, the treasure is our heart, that seat of emotions, that seat of passions, that, that seat of our desires. And so we're told to keep this with everything that you have. So whether we realize it or not, our heart is being exposed to all manner of things every day. In that process, various things are being woven into the fabric of who we are daily. What a person watches, what a person reads, 
what a person listens to, to some degree becomes a part of who they are. Amen. It doesn't matter how long ago we heard it. It doesn't matter how long ago we watched it. Amen. Somewhere we have to realize that that is still in our mind. We don't have the ability. I know we talk about being forgetful. I forgot to do this. I forgot to do that. But in truth, what we have read is there. What we have heard is there. What we have watched is there. It is there. It doesn't matter how long ago it's there. Just waiting for something to prompt it. I mean, you, you've no doubt had those moments in your life as well where someone mentioned something and, and then out of the clear blue that just kind of set off something in your mind and you remembered something that you hadn't thought of in years and years and years and, and maybe even something that, that uh, happened in your childhood and, and there it is and it's just as fresh and real as it was yesterday. And so it's always there. I know some may debate that, but I think I could prove that very simply today. If you would just help me. Would, I just need a few people here to help me. Uh, amen. And so I'm going to just start something and you finish it. How's that? I'd like to be an Oscar Mayer. You deserve a help. I've fallen. I am stuck on carnal. Carnal. We don't have a chance of making it today. We don't have a chance of making it. You see, it proves that what you heard years ago is still there. You didn't wake up with band-aids on your mind this morning, probably. <laughs> Maybe, I don't know. <laughs> and so it proves some things that we've heard, they're still there. It's just right there. It, you didn't have any idea I would use that as an illustration, and it only took that much prompting, and you were right there as a group. And so it's, it's important that we guard our heart. And so I'm here today to confront. I'm here to stand down. I'm here to face the evil of this world and tell you that it matters. It matters. It matters. We must guard our heart because the things that we expose ourselves to are going to be lingering around in our lives a lot longer than we ever dare would dream. There are very valid reasons that the writer states that we should guard our heart and that reason is found in the following part of that scripture because it said for out of it the heart out of the seat of your emotions and passions are the issues of life that's where everything is coming from and so we had better make sure that that reservoir that is supplying every strength is is made pure it seems like a strange phrase that issues of life Strong's Concordance gives us some insight to what the writer is referring to because Strong's states that the issues of life are, are the outgoings of life or the borders of a life. The issues are the outgoing things. Another way to put that would be to say that, that what comes out of your heart are the things that define and determine our lives. The literal heart, as you well know, 
has arteries that carry life-giving blood to the rest of the body. It exists here. But it is carrying life-giving blood to every other part of our body. And so if the heart becomes diseased or clogged, if the blood flow is restricted or if the blood becomes contaminated, then the heart doesn't just suffer by itself. It's not just a heart issue, but it becomes an issue then for the entire body. And so if the heart is going to suffer these conditions, then the body will suffer. And the same thing happens to us spiritually. Our inner man carries the life support Amen. The Spirit of God to all areas of our life. And so if the inner man becomes diseased or clogged, then the flow of the Spirit of God is restricted in every area of our life. Physically, if we don't practice good heart care, the arteries, the lungs, the organs, our extremities, they're they're just little by little, they're going to begin to suffer. And so spiritually, if we don't practice good heart care, then our mind, our soul, our spirit... The seed of who we are, the core of who we are as a person will all suffer. The massacre in California just a few days ago, we ask ourselves, how could anyone just walk into a building randomly and murder innocent people? Well, I'm going to tell you the answer that the answer to that lies in the issues of the heart. The, the, the all lies in the very thing that I'm talking about today. And now I know that we may look around us and consider that that, that example would put us worlds apart. Maybe you think, well, it, it is, it is, I would never do a thing like that. And, and I hope you're right about that. But we have no guarantee. You don't even have a guarantee about that. That's why we've got to guard our heart, that sounds appalling to us, un- unimaginable, unthinkable to us at this point in time. But I'm going to tell you the people that carried out these acts were made of the same thing that you and I are made of. And the same blood that flows through our veins was flowing through their veins. I'm not trying to wax political, I'm trying to, or even with current events, but I'm trying to tell us that, that it begins here. And if we don't guard this, then somewhere wrong can seem right. And something that's so bizarre can seem to make so much sense. And so we've got to guard our heart. Because the heart, in and of itself, the heart, just the heart of man, just has a propensity for evil. That's just plain and simple. It's just in us to do evil. I'm not trying to insult anybody here today or uh, by any stretch of the imagination, but even though it's an... Uh, an ancient illustration, it's still true. You don't have to teach children to lie. You've got to teach them to tell the truth. You don't have to teach children to steal, to deceive. You don't have to teach any of those things because the heart is inherently in, inherently uh, evil. It's just, it's just there. And you ask a child when they hit their sibling, why did you do that? I don't know. I don't know. It's just there to strike out. And so Jeremiah 17, never forget this. Jeremiah 17 and 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Not you, not me. Amen, we cannot know it. The heart, we just can't trust our heart. I hear people all the time say, well, just let your conscience be your God. Are you kidding Are you kidding? 
No, our conscience can't be our guide. We can't leave ourselves up to our conscience, whatever feels good, right, relative at that moment. I've got to let the Word of God be my guide. Amen. I've got to let the Word of God be my guide. And if, and if, if my conscience lines up with the Word of God and I can keep that lined up with the Word of God, then, then so be it. But I've got to line up with God's infallible, irrevocable Word. The Bible says in Mark 7, For from within, out of the heart of men, are you ready? Proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thieves, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things, watch this, this latter verse. All these evil things come from within and defile the man. Now we're talking about evil thoughts, adultery, fornication, murder, theft, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. He said all of that is bound up within. That is born within. These things come from there. Someone asked, how does the worm get in an apple? Researchers discovered that the worm doesn't eat its way in, but in truth it eats its way out. Researchers discovered that what happens is an insect lays an egg in the apple blossom. And then sometime later, the worm hatches in the heart of the apple and then eats its way out. That's a great analogy for sin, isn't it? We wonder, where did this come from? Long before it was a worm, it was a seed. Long before it became alive, it was just... And so long before it became an action, it was a thought. Long before we went there, we thought there. Amen. And so we've got to make sure that we guard our heart. Sin, like that worm, begins in the heart, works through our thoughts. It works through our words. It works through our actions. It's not good enough that we keep our outward actions in line with God's will. That's, that's mandatory. That is a scriptural mandate that's placed upon our lives. And I believe that the scripture in many, many places, not just one verse here or one verse there, but I think there is a common thread from beginning to end that God has always preached a message of separation for his people. Amen. His people have always been different. Amen. They have always had, have had different requirements placed upon them. And, but, and so while an outward appearance and an outward manifestation of an inward work is certainly a valid principle in the hour that we live in today, I want to tell you that it's not enough. It's not enough that we just dress up the outward man. It's not enough that we just dress up this outward man and leave everything else alone. I've used the illustration through the years that many years ago, I'm not even sure if it's still there or not, but uh, on the 247 between Branford and Lake City, somewhere along maybe about halfway or so, it was an old wooden house. It was just obviously warped, and and it looked as though it were about to to fall down. And and, uh, I don't know, 20 or plus years ago when... Uh, you know, the, they, they all showed up one day and just started putting vinyl siding on this house. And by the time they all got through, by the time everybody drove away, it looked like a brand new home. Except for a few of us knew better. And I told my wife, I said, some unsuspecting person is going to drive up. When you start driving that real estate sign down that front yard, I thought, oh my Lord. And I'm sure there are some laws that hopefully that would protect that and 
you real estate folks that are here would know about that, and I'm not picking on your profession. I'm just making a point that they got it all looking well on the outside, but there was a lot of things that could not have been fixed just because you nailed a little siding on it. I'm, I'm sure some doors were still dragging, some windows still would open or wouldn't close, and on and on and on. And so I ask you today to help us to realize that it's not enough that what we do on the outside, it's got to match something on the inside and vice versa. Took a little extra time with that, but it's important. 1 Samuel 16 and 7 is a passage that has often been taken out of context. The Bible says here, The Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. And some people have have used that scripture as a battering ram to speak against holiness and to speak against and to, to uh, minimalize or, uh, the, the, the value of an outward appearance. But you know what? I agree with First Samuel 16 and 7 that the Lord doesn't see as man seeth. Man does look on the outward part. Man does need something to help lead and guide and, and to reach for. But God looks on the heart. God sees our motives. He sees why we do what we do. Hey Amen. If you've got a hole in the standard that you're embracing today just so you can beat somebody else to death with it, God sees the motive of your heart. Amen. Hey if you're just trying to live up here and it's not even in your heart to do that, you're just doing that so that you can condemn others, then your motive is absolutely wrong even though holiness is a proper issue. We've got to see and know that God is looking at our heart. He knows why we do what we do. And so since we live in a very carnal world, Paul said that we need to die daily. I've got to die daily. I've got I to gotta die out to this flesh. Why? Because we pick up stuff. We pick up stuff all along the way that it's not in our best spiritual interest. It's not going to help me become the man that I need to be in God. It won't help you become the lady that you need to be in God. You see, vessels that make their way in the sea, whether it's a, a casual boat, a, a pleasure boat, but more, I guess, along the lines of those that would be used commercially, even though they're just kind of slipping along in the water. It just all seems innocent, just slipping along. But what we don't realize that's taking place underneath that water line is that barnacles are attaching itself to, that, to the hull of that ship. And ultimately, it slows its process, and it affects uh, how economically it can how economically it can even operate in just one year. I am told that an oil tanker can accumulate as much as five tons of barnacles just going to point A to point B, point A to point B. Every now and then, somebody's got to dry dock that vessel and clean all of that off. Every now and then, somebody's either got to dry dock it or someone's got to go underneath and start scraping all that off. Why? Because it's slowing down the process. It's dragging in the water. It's carrying five tons of nothing. It's carrying five tons of something that's just slowing it down and hindering. And so we must focus on how this principle applies to our life. Because over time, if we are not careful, our lives can be so cluttered up with things that hinder our walk with God. The Bible said that we ought to lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us. Some things are lawful, but they're not expedient. Some things are not heaven or hell issues, but it is not in our best interest to go there, to be there, amen, to partake of that. Why? It's going to slow down my vessel. It's going to hinder... It's going to hinder my prayer life. It's going to hinder my dedication to God. 
Amen. I need some I need some folks this morning that understand what I'm preaching is true. There's not a soapbox up here today. I didn't come here to beat you over the head, but I come here to stand down sin. Amen. I come here to stand down carnality and say we just can't go there. We just can't do this. It's not in our best interest. I've got to guard my heart because out of it are the issues of life. It will affect every other area of my life. I've got to guard my heart. I've got to guard my heart. And so I've got to allow the spirit of conviction, not condemnation. I need to allow the spirit of conviction of the Lord to help lead us to areas of our life that need to be cleaned out. Now, conviction comes through many different vehicles. It comes through preaching. It comes through teaching. It comes through personal times of prayer. It comes through personal times of Bible study. And, and, and perhaps the list goes on and on. But during these seasons, the Lord may deal with me about certain things in my life that I just need to let go of. And you know what? Now I'm accountable. Now I've got to do something with this. I've got something in my hand now. What am I going to do with this? Am I going to just put it back on the shelf? Anybody ever cleaned out a closet or your shop or cleaned out a bedroom in your home and, and you, you, you go in there with great diligence and after a while you realize, you know, you're making some headway but sometimes you get a hold of something and you, haven't even, you didn't even know you had it. You didn't even remember you had it. It's in your hand now. What are you going to do with it? Put it back on the shelf just in case in the next 10 years you need it? Or are we just going to do something about it? Are we just going to move this out of the way? It's just not important. Amen. So during these seasons, God deals with us about certain things in our lives. During a service like this morning, I prayed for the spirit of conviction to touch us today. I didn't come here to condemn anybody, but I've asked God to walk with me today that the spirit of conviction would touch the church, amen, in this 21st century and help us to realize, amen, that our forefathers were not wrong. They were not numbskulls. They were not unconnected. They were not out of touch. Amen. They were, they were out of touch with this world, but they were in touch with that world. And I got to get a hold of that world and pull that world a little bit closer to me. Ha, 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 ha. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Once we have our heart clean, then I need to guard it. Because you see, it'll just get contaminated again because it's inherently evil. So I gotta, I gotta clean it and gotta stay on top of clean. I gotta clean it and clean it again. The Word of God never gives us a commandment without the instruction on how to accomplish that commandment, and that is certainly the case here. Proverbs twenty three four twenty three commands us to guard our heart. But a few more scriptures here will help us with keys to accomplish this. And so here's, here, here's where we're going. Verse 24. The Bible says, Put away from thee a froward mouth and perverse lips. Perverse lips put far from thee. What is a froward mouth? It means a distorted or a crooked or a false mouth. The Amplified Bible says, Put away from you false and dishonest speech. This refers to anything that we say that distorts the truth. You see, people may not out and out tell a lie, but just sometimes distort the truth. 
And sometimes it's not what you say, it's what you don't say. And so that is deception. And so we've got we've to do something about this froward mouth. Amen. People have got to be careful that our perverse lips, perverse lips means to complain or to murmur. Now I'm going to tell you something about the, the murmuring and complaining. It's a spirit. Amen. It really is. Don't, don't think me odd to say that way, but the children of Israel were just overwhelmed with a spirit of complaining and murmuring, and it can get a hold of your heart. It can get a hold of your life. I've watched people that got the spirit of murmuring and that attitude of complaining, and it doesn't just touch their church life, but it touches outside of their life. And, and after a while, nothing is right, and no one can ever satisfy because it's something that just got a hold. There is a general spirit of dissatisfaction. And they're going to be unhappy no matter where they are, no matter what they're doing. They're just going to be unhappy. Jesus addressed the issue of being careful what we say in Matthew 15, 11. He said, not, not that which goeth into the mouth defileth a man, but that which cometh out of the mouth defiles a man. Defileth a man. So we've got to be very careful that we... We've got to be very careful what we allow to come out of this. We should never underestimate the significance of the tongue. James 3 says the tongue is an unruly member. Matthew 12 talks about the tongue revealing the condition of the heart. And so we've got to guard this tongue. Our, our, our parents were right. You better watch your mouth. <laughs> they were right. Yeah, you better you better watch your mouth. <clears throat> My mother wasn't abusive at all. I don't want to paint her in the wrong picture. But more than one time, I said something I shouldn't say in a fashion I shouldn't have said it. My mother said, and we were riding down the road, she said, lean up here and let me pop you in the mouth. <clears throat> I don't know about most cars, but in our car, it's about a mile and a half from the back seat to the front seat when you're trying to lean up there for one of those. But you better... <laughs> I see some of you had some abusive parents too. <clears throat> we better watch our mouth. We better guard our mouth. So, so, so Psalms 141 and 3 says, Set a watch. This is David's prayer. Set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep the door of my lips. Set a watch. The psalmist understood that he could not control his tongue without the help of the Lord. And so we got to realize the same thing and then prayed as David prayed. And, and I want to say again today that we can't have the Holy Ghost. We can't profess to have the Holy Ghost. And then just live any old way we want to live. Say whatever we want to say. And think that everything's all right. We're kidding ourselves. And then just write it all off as that, you know, that's just how we are. That's how my family is. That's how, but we've been born again. You missed something somewhere along the way. We've been born again. And at some point, as I've said many times, you've got to stop repenting over all that nonsense and pray for deliverance and say, God, deliver me from this sharp tongue. Deliver me from this wicked way. Deliver me from my, my ill temper. Just deliver me from being me. Deliver me from this. 
Amen. The psalmist understood that I, I can't do this without the help of the Lord. And so i got to pray the prayer of David here. Pray that we would guard our tongue, and, 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 which in turn, that guards our heart. Proverbs 24, 20, uh, Proverbs 4, excuse me, in verse 25 now, we're moving from the tongue. The Bible says, let thine eyes look on right. Verse 25. And let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Obviously, this doesn't mean that we walk around never turning our head and with no regard for what's happening around you. The word, ver, the, the word here in this verse, look, actually means to scan, to be mindful. And so let thine eyes look right on. Let my eyes scan right on. And let thine eyelids look straight before me. Satan knows that the mind is the, is the most easily reached through the eye. Therefore, he brings several temptations before our eyes. And this is the way to bring suggestions to our minds, things that we had not even previously considered, but they enter through the gateway of the eye. And they're in our mind. Secondly, these thoughts become embedded in, in our minds so that we can, in return, they in return then tempt us when we are weak. They may not tempt us then, but what entered in the gateway of our mind may catch us down the road at a weak moment or a moment that we're discouraged. Thirdly, by a constant exposure to certain things, certain sights, we become desensitized to them. Now, we're living in this day. We're living this out in living color, maybe a, a, a curse word that used to bother you when you heard someone say it, no longer bothers you, you don't even hear it anymore because we become desensitized to it, amen, and so when you, you get exposed to that long enough, it just doesn't bother you anymore, and we ought to ask ourselves why, why don't that bother me anymore? Have we matured? I doubt it. I doubt it that we're ever going to mature enough that sin and wrong, we should never get so mature that sin and wrong has a place in our life. Finally, if these things are thought about long enough, they will be acted on. We'll just step out there into that. Now watch Matthew 15 and 19. The Bible says, For out of the heart proceedeth evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies, these are things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands defileth not a man. He was, and we understand the context of that. We certainly don't want to eat with unwashed hands, but sometimes people are more worried about washing their hands than they are their heart. Amen. I want to make sure that hey, I'm not just washing this, but I want to make sure I'm washing this and this. I want to make sure... Amen, that that's what's going to really defile me. I've got to be diligent about what I allow my eyes to focus on. I've got to be diligent what we watch. I've got to be diligent about what we listen to. And I've got to be mindful about where I go for entertainment. I've got to be mindful about that. Amen. Why? I don't say these things to sound out of step. I'm not trying to say these things this morning to sound antiquated and things of that nature. Amen. But I think that these are things, these are questions that I'm posing today that every God-fearing, Holy Ghost child of God ought to be asking themselves. We ought to be asking ourselves. 
Amen. I, I want to mindful. I want to be mindful of that. I want to guard that. I want to make sure that my home is not just an open door. I'm not going to prop the door and the windows open to our house and just let everything blow through that wants to blow through. I want to guard that. I want to make sure. Why? Because I've got a treasure. I have a treasure that I'm trying to protect. Amen. I have a treasure that is more valuable than gold or silver and I'm trying to protect that. And so when we consider, this is an adult congregation this morning, I can be straightforward, I think. When you consider the mainstream agenda, that is, that the seat of the mainstream agenda today is, is, could be defined by one word, and that is perversion. The blurring of the lines. Amen. The, blurrings, the blurring of the lines, even between sexes. Amen. Just stay with me now. Let's don't shout about Acts 2.38 and get all quiet on this because this is in the book too. Why do you think the scripture was so plain, so plain to even point out the spirit of effeminacy? Why? Because that blurs the line. There needs to be a distinction between male and female. Men ought to be men and women ought to be women. That ought to be distinct in our dress. That ought to be distinct in our lifestyle. That ought to be distinct in our mannerisms. Amen. There needs to be a distinction there. There needs to be a distinction there. Amen. Because there is a mainstream agenda wherever you turn. And I know that we can't just go dig a hole and live in a, in a cave somewhere. But wherever you turn. Amen. It's in the magazines. It's it, Wherever you go, it's there. You can't even go to the grocery store without being inundated by these kind of things. And so we've got to ask ourselves this mainstream agenda that is seasoning most of our modern sitcoms and advertisements and on and on and on. And just so you know, I don't sit down and dine on those things but I don't live in a vacuum either I, I, I've kind of sh- struggled about whether to share this or not but I just kind of feel either bold or foolish enough to do it but just a few uh, a few weeks ago I was in a place of business and when I stepped in there was a television that was on when I stepped in I had received a, some text messages on my way there and so when I stepped inside the door I just kind of backed over and I was answering a few text messages and there was a, a, a program on uh, that was a cartoon, but it, not not a, like a Saturday cartoon, Bugs Bunny, but a cartoon kind of show that was on in the on at night. In in this, and I'm not even sure what you would call it. I'm sorry to plead ignorant here, not trying to sound super spiritual. I just don't know what I'm talking about. And all of a sudden, this woman starts quoting scripture. This little cartoon caricature starts. Quoting scripture, well, I, I stopped what I was doing. And I listened, and, and I'm going to tell you, I would never, ever have the courage to share the perversion that was shared in probably about four or five minutes. So I'm holding my cell phone in my hand, I'm watching that. And I'm going, you've got to be kidding. Our children are exposed to this. Our whole world is exposed to this. It left nothing to the imagination about an adulterous affair. It, in a cartoon, it left nothing to the imagination. If I could climb on this rooftop to make it more clear, that's exactly what I would do. I think I have a right to be preaching what I'm preaching today. 
I think somebody better. I think somebody better. Amen. I think somebody had better get behind the pulpit and say, wait, we can't go there. We can't go there. We can't go there. Amen. God, guard my heart because out of my heart are the issues of life. This is setting my mind. This is setting the heart. This is setting the spirit, the seed of our emotions. This is teaching our children. It's okay. This is teaching our young folks. It's okay. This is teaching our young marriage. It don't matter. I want to jump up and down and say it matters. It matters. It matters. It matters. It matters. It matters. Yes, it matters. Yes, it matters. Yes, it matters. Yes, it matters. Praise God. Praise God. You may be seated. Sister Mangan said, You're on my you're taking up my time. <laughs> so I've got to ask myself, we need to ask ourselves, why would we even want to dine on such things? Why? Why? What, is there not a holy righteous indignation that would rise up and say, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. When when Hollywood is trying to get us to laugh about all this perverted stuff and laugh all this thing away and laugh all of, all of these perverted lifestyles, when, if, if, if we've, we've been taught to laugh at all this, but it's not funny. It's not funny. And so if the FCC supposedly regulates what's coming across the television then I ask you this morning, what would be going on in a theater where the corks are out, where do whatever you want to do? Years ago, years ago, I, w- I wished I had my details more together, but years ago, there was some movie that came out and, and there was, an, uh, there was a, a push among the Christian world to boycott theaters because of this movie. And a mainstream, the nominal preacher on radio and television, not an apostolic preacher, stood and said, why? Why would there be enough Christians that are even going to the movies? Why would there be enough even going to the movies that if all of a sudden one day we stopped going to the movies, it would affect the economy of their world? Well, you're not standing and clapping now. And I wonder why. Are we warming our hand over the wrong fire? I'm not trying to be a smart aleck. I am trying to stand down sin. Sin is sin. Sin is sin. Amen. When you walk away, how fulfilling is that? When you walk away, do you feel more spiritual? When you walk away, do you feel like I'm closer to God now than I've ever been? When all we've seen is sex and murder and rape and all we that's all we've been entertaining ourselves on. And we're going to walk away from that and say, well, I feel like going to pray. I feel like going to worship the Lord. No, what happens then when you come to church and you go to raise your hands, the accuser of the brethren says, I know where you were Friday. I know 
know where you were last night. I know what you were doing Tuesday. And so we pull our hands down in prayer because we're not living within the line of an accusation. Amen. The devil is accusing and we can't say not guilty. Amen. We got to guard our heart. We've got to guard our heart. Amen. I've been trying desperately not to, not to go over time. I really have been, but I'm not through and I don't want to be through. And so our ushers, if you need to bring in the, the students, just go ahead and do that. Don't hold them out. You can bring them in. They could hear this. It'd be all right. Amen. So I ask you today. I ask you today, what sinister agenda is being promoted by Hollywood that's worthy to come into your home without someone standing there to guard and filter? Amen. I know I've used this illustration many times through the years, but I believe I'm right when I, when I talk about, uh, I know I'm right in the reference, but I'm trying to think of the scripture, but where Nehemiah came and challenged those that had, after the wall had been built and the men of Tyre were coming and they were buying and selling on the Sabbath day. You guys, anybody remember this? They were buying and selling on the Sabbath day. And so Nehemiah come down there and said, you are not supposed to be doing this on the Sabbath day. And so he ran all the men of Tyre out, out of there. And he said, don't you come back. And he said, if you come back, I'm going to lay hands on you. Amen. That's the truth. That's the truth. And you've heard me say when I refer to this, he wasn't talking about prayer. Amen. He was going to get them in a headlock because you're not going to be here doing all this. Amen. And so, and then he said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to set my men at the gate. Is this all right? Amen. Come here, Noah. I'm going to set my men at the gate. And, and, and I'm, going to, I'm going to watch. I'm going to watch everything that comes in and out of this gate. My men are going to watch this. But you know what? In time, Nehemiah said, now you need to put your men. You need to stand, guard your own gate. Is this all right? At some point, Noah, you got to get this for yourself. Did you just come in from Sunday school? You don't even know what's going on, do you? <laughs> Welcome to our adult Bible class. Glad to have you. At some, <laughs> go sit down. <laughs> Josh, come here. Amen. At some point, at some point, I can't just follow you around every day, Josh. At, at some point, I can't, just, I can't just go around. At some point, I can't always say, why, why, why? No, 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 no. At some point, we've got to love God enough for ourselves that if the preacher don't preach about it for months, I'm not going there. Amen. If he doesn't say anything about it, I'm not going there. I got this in my own heart. I got this in my own heart. I'm going to guard this. I'm going to guard this. We, please hear me today. You know what I felt like doing today? I felt like absolutely I'm being very sincere. I almost asked some of the men to just move this pulpit out of the way today and just set a chair right here and let me just sit down because here's the scripture that kept coming to my mind. And that was in Isaiah where the Lord says, Come now, let us reason together. 
And you know what I almost wanted to do was just move this desk out of the way and put a chair and sit down before you and say, I want to reason with you about a few things this morning. We've got no business warming our hands over some of this stuff. We've got no business doing that. Amen. I'm asking you to reason with me on these matters. Amen. Some people are always asking, well, I don't know if that's a heaven or a hell issue. Is this a heaven or a hell issue? Let me, let's just, would you let me pry that out of your hands for just a moment? Amen. Let me have that statement just one second. You can do with it what you want to later. I want to set down the heaven or hell issue. I'm going to put that right there for just a moment. And I'm going to ask you, what about the wise issue? Is this in my best interest issue? Is this going to be the best interest of my family, my wife, my children? Amen. So it's not about somebody trying to mandate my life and tell me where I can go and what I can do and what I can do and here and what I can do there. It's about me saying, God, I want to be wise. I want to be wise. I don't want to interfere and hinder your spirit in my life. Amen. I want to be wise. Is this in my spiritual best interest? Is this in the best interest spiritually of my family? I've got to guard my heart. Amen. These are the things that we need to be discussing. With godly discipline, amen, we can control these things. Hear me. We can control these things. Listen, it's not the box that's wrong. Let me go back and clear up something. It's not the box that's wrong. We've got to get some principles settled in our heart. Amen. I'm not fixing to go outside and take a crowbar and rip the radio out of my car. I'm just going to take the Holy Ghost with me when I sit down in it. I better take the Holy Ghost with me. Amen. That's what I need to do is take the Holy Ghost with me. Amen. Now, here's what Job said in Job 31 and 1. I made a covenant with my eyes. Okay, eyes. We're going to make an agreement. I can't help what you see sometimes, one time, but I can help going back there again and again and again. And Job said, why then should I look upon a maid? Amen. And, 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 and this scripture is referring to exactly what you adults think it's referring to. That's exactly what he's talking about. So he said, I made a covenant with my eyes. And I don't say this to be humorous, but I say it to be factual. You can't help what you see riding down the road, but you don't have to keep circling the block. I mean, you just keep driving on. You just keep going on. Amen. Just keep going on. So there's, there needs, this is a scripture that doesn't need commentary. Amen. I'm just going to make a covenant with my eyes. I'm going to be careful. Because you see, even what I see accidentally, I can't unsee. Even what I hear accidentally, I can't unhear that. It's already there. I've got to pray for God to help me with that. I'm going to set that guard and a discipline. This finally brings me to verses 26 and 27. Ponder the path of thy feet and let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand nor to the left hand. Remove thy foot from evil. These scriptures deal specifically with direction. They're all directional. And so this is important. That's why I'm not just trying to wrap all this up and call it a day. Amen. It's directional. Our direction in life is critical if we ever stand a chance of getting where we want to be. The old saying, everything you do may not be right or wrong, but it will point you in a direction. And so whether it's right or wrong, it still sets a trajectory in our lives. 
And so there have been places that I had no business being there. And the Holy Ghost told me that after I got there. Now don't think I'm just super spiritual. Amen, because many of you could testify to this same thing. And so you just got up and left there. You don't have to grab your Bible and jump up on some table and dance and shout and rebuke everything in sight. Amen. I hate the devil. And I hate what I feel right now. I despise what I feel right now. Amen. Amen. There is a direction that can be set in our lives. And we've got to be careful. Because if you start the wrong way, you're going to end up the wrong way. Amen. Just when you're, you know, when, when, we're, when you take the wrong road, you've got to make a radical adjustment. You've got to change. You've got to turn around. Amen. The Bible says in Psalms 119.59, I thought on my ways. I thought on my ways and turned my feet unto thy testimonies. Amen. Another translation says, I have considered my ways and I have turned my steps toward your statutes. And here's what I'm trying to accomplish today. I want you to consider your ways. I want to consider my ways. I want us to turn our ways back to the Lord. I'm going to tell you, we cannot be carnal as all outdoors Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday and think we're going to just show up here and it's all just going to happen for us. No, no, no. We've got to guard our heart every day, every day. When no one's there looking, when no one's there telling, when no one's whispering, musicians, if you'll come, please. This is an admonishment to you and to me both. Amen. I'm, I'm not preaching to anybody in this house more than I'm preaching to me. We should always make sure that our life lines up with the Word of God. If it doesn't, I've got to change directions. The direction of our feet is so important. Because it has a direct influence upon our heart. Vice versa. The Bible says that Lot pitched his tent toward Sodom. And when he did so, he brought great sin and judgment to his house. But now listen to this. In contrast to that, Hebrews 11, I'm not going to read it for the sake of time, but Hebrews 11, 13, 14, and 15 speaks about the patriarchs who considered themselves, the patriarchs who came out of Egypt, who considered themselves pilgrims and strangers. Am I right? They believed that they had been delivered from Egypt's bondage. That's what they, they knew. And they were making their way to Canaan. They were on their way out. And listen to what verse 15 says. The Bible says, If they had been mindful of that country, if they had been mindful of Egypt, if they had kept their mind on Egypt, they might have had opportunity to return. And so they had to turn their feet and get Canaan in sight. Because if they kept thinking about Egypt, they might have given opportunity to return. Isn't that what happened to Lot's wife? Amen. The angels had her hand, but, but Sodom had her heart. And I'm going to tell you this morning, I'm not just reaching for your hands this morning. Your pastor is reaching for your heart today. Your heart today. Amen. So the scripture says, in Proverbs 24 and 4 and 26, ponder the path of thy feet. The word ponder means to prepare such as a road or to weigh it out mentally. Consider what this will cost. Consider where this will take me. And so how many of us have really thought about the direction that our life is going? I'm asking you today, please look up this way. Please listen to me. Are you happy with the direction that your life is going today? 
Because if you're not, you're going to have to turn. But you can. You can. And you can become what God wants you to be. Listen, I don't want us to become a more worldly church and a more carnal church and a more fleshly church. That's not the bent that I would like for us to take. I want us to be a more spiritual church, a more godly church, and more righteous church, not just godly looking, godly sounding, godly, not just the appearance of this. I want that to be right. I want our conversations to be right, not when we're at church only, but when we're away from church. I want our, 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 our conversations in our own homes with one another, in the, our fellowships together in restaurants. I want it to be on godly things. Amen. We ought to be able to talk about whatever we're talking about when we're in one another's home fellowshipping. We ought to be able to end that night with prayer. Amen. We ought to be able to end that night with prayer. We ought to be able to say, you know what? Before we leave, why don't we just gather around? Why don't we just hold hands? Why don't we pray and ask God to bless this? But you're not going to be able to pray under the spirit of condemnation if we have been talking about wrong things and doing wrong things. Amen. I'm I'm needing some help here from you today. Amen. I need to ponder the path of my feet. I need to think about where I'm going. I need to think beyond the moment. I got to think beyond the moment. Where is this headed? Where will this lead? Where will I wind up? Where will I wind up? Amen. And so have you given serious consideration to the direction of your life and the decisions that you're making right now? Are you making sure that you're on the right road? Whether you realize it or not. The decisions that you're making right now in your life, or perhaps, let me say it another way. Everybody, please listen. Maybe the decisions you are are avoiding are setting the direction for your life. God's trying to speak to you. No, I don't want to hear that. God's dealing with, no, I don't want to. No, no. That's going to cost me too much. That's going to require too much. But hear me. Not just the decisions you're making, but the decisions you're avoiding will also set the trajectory of your life. And you know what? You turn around one day and your children, they're going to be walking right along behind you. And your grandchildren, they're going to be walking right along. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in what I'm preaching today. I feel the Spirit of God in what I'm saying here this morning. Amen. And so I need to consider my heart to be the most valuable thing and I've got to guard this and I've got to make sure every step I take I've got to be careful because you see I've got to pledge, I've got to make sure I've got to be intent, I've got to be very very careful let's stand, can we do that would you lift your hands and let's blend our voices together God is speaking to us today God is speaking to us today I'm going to tell you, some folks in this church are experimenting with things you've got no business touching. You've got no business touching. You're thinking about things you've got no business thinking about. Because if you keep dwelling on that, your feet are going to walk down that path. And that's going to circumvent what God is trying to do in your life. Amen. It matters. It matters. It matters. I feel the weight of the Holy Ghost. I feel a palatable presence of the Spirit of God in this house here today. Amen. We don't need to rush through this. We don't need to rush through this. We need to let the Spirit of God wash and purge us. 
Amen. I've done an awful lot of talking here this morning. We need God to talk to us now. Amen. We need God to speak audibly, amen, through a message, or we need God to just speak in our heart. Amen. Speak to us today in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Amen. I hope this is not a message that just appeals to six people in this church. I hope what I'm preaching here today is not just a message that appeals to just a fourth of this church or a third of this church. Amen. But I hope what I'm preaching today will touch every man, every woman that says, I got the Holy Ghost. I've been baptized in His name. I've been washed. I've been cleansed. I've been purified by the Spirit of the Lord. Amen. This ought to appeal to every, every man, woman, boy, or girl that's ever stood in an altar and spoken in tongues and let His Spirit wash through us and cleanse us and, and purify us. Everybody that's ever been buried in his name to wash and remit, to remove those sins. Amen. We need somebody to take us back. We need somebody to take us back to the cross. We need somebody to take me back to that place in time that I committed myself to the Lord and I said God, I'm going to give this up. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to give this up for your glory, Lord. I'm going to take this out of my life so I can make room for you in my life. Oh, help us. Help us in this Help us in this hour, God. Help us in this house, oh God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. You never misunderstand me. Please don't misunderstand me. Your preacher, your pastor this morning is not preaching under a, under being mad or upset. I'm preaching under a burden. Amen. I feel something pricked in my heart. Amen. We need to draw closer to the Lord than we've ever been. The devil's trying to circumvent a ministry in your life. The devil's trying to rob you of a ministry and a future in your life. And the Spirit of God's reaching for you today to say, come on back. Come on back to a place of commitment of yesterday today, of yesteryear, or five years ago. Come on back. Amen. Don't don't stay where you are. Don't camp out where you are. Come on, church. Amen. Don't make me beg you to respond. The Spirit of God, don't make the Spirit of God beg you to respond. We ought to respond in our heart. We ought to respond in our heart because we want to be what God wants us to be. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We're in an uphill battle. We're in an uphill battle. We're in an uphill battle. We won't win this war being passive. We won't win this war being passive. We won't win this war being passive. But God, stir us, stir us, challenge us, cause something to rise in our heart, in our spirit like never before. Let it rise in our heart. Let it rise in our heart. Oh, Jesus, 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 Jesus. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. 
Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.